The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Follow me on Facebook at GuidedWest11, on Instagram at GuidedWest, and on Twitter at LauraWest111. I also have a website at www.laurawest.net, where you can download a free guide on how to meet your own spirit guides. My book, Guided, is available on Amazon, and it's about soul teams, intuition, mediumship, and spiritual tools such as oracle and tarot cards, crystals, pendulums, and so much more. My guest today is Joy Giovanni. Joy is a renowned and sought-after psychic medium, healer, and spiritual teacher. Raised in Boston and internationally known for her time as a WWE diva, model, and actress, Joy always knew her sensitivity and connection with her own intuition and spirituality was something special. But it wasn't until she realized others didn't have the same sensing abilities, like seeing bright, swirly colors every time she closed her eyes, that she channeled her psychic energy to help heal others. Well, hello, Joy. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am absolutely thrilled to have you on the show with me. I am so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes. Well, I would love to just jump in and have you share the amazing things that you have just been up to these days, because I know you are a very busy woman. So let's hear what you've been up to. Oh, my goodness. I feel like there are there are lots of things that I love to do, and I'm fortunate enough to get to do a lot of them. Um, so I'm a psychic medium uh, that type of mediumship I practice is evidential, which just basically means whether it's in a group reading or a one-on-one reading, when someone's loved ones communicate, I like them to share specific details about themselves. Um, They may or may not have a separate message from that, but you know, we have to validate who that person is. So I do mediumship, I do psychic work because of course, tapping into our own lives and understanding our own best next steps sometimes is as valuable as hearing from a loved one that's already crossed over, depending on what's going on. I also, my first love in in all of these spiritual gifts is the energy healing, which I know that's a big part of your life as well. Um, And now I've even stepped into teaching. Uh, I teach a once a year, I open a nine-month Modern Mystic Healers mentorship to train professional healers, trained and certified. And I also teach, which should be, doors should be opening again before the end of the year on the Goddess Untamed six-month mentorship for really just personal development, helping people tune into their own intuition, heal their own lives. Because truthfully, we all just want to be living our best life, right? 
Yes, absolutely. And what I love about the work that you do is not only are you helping people who are like, look, I just want to connect with a loved one, or I just need some healing and to feel better, but you're teaching other people to do the same thing for either themselves or for other people as well. And just sort of branching out and exponentially making a difference in this world. And how wonderful to follow that calling to now teach people what you can do. Were the classes and the mentorship programs intuitively guided or was there a model that you followed that worked well for you? How did you come up with those courses? So I would say because my entry into uh, the all of my intuitive gifts, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So there are things that I can identify now when I was a kid that were happening that I just didn't understand. But healing really was my bridge into all of these spiritual gifts. So for me, the way I teach it is full Reiki level one and two attunement plus deep dive into all the symbols and application and then another kind of concurrent running energetic healing program, which I titled the Modern Mystic Tools, which is chakra clearing and balancing, energy clearing, cord cutting, working with guides and ascended masters and everything else really is what it is. Plus the, you know, one of my pet peeves is sometimes in these weekend workshops, they don't really fully you know, they promise that you're going to be able to practice afterwards, but they don't tell you all the ins and outs of actually working with a client virtually versus in person versus how do you get them into the session? How do you give them guidance on your way out of the session? So that one, I would say is more, it's progressive. So it builds its building blocks upon itself. Uh, So really, you know, and, and Reiki, as many people might know, is an ancient Japanese system of healing. So it's already has its its own steps. Um, the Goddess Untamed program, however, interestingly that you asked, was intuitively guided and is actually based on the six pillars that people come to see me for a reading for, uh, which is which is kind of interesting because those are the, really the six main areas of our life that we might want to manifest, heal, you know, w- work through, affirm things, whatever it might be. Oh, I love it. Okay. So with that healing class, you also teach practical, which I think is great. And I do want to note, we will have this in the show notes, right? Like links on how people can sign up for these classes oh, yeah, or at least hear about them. Perfect. Okay, good. But I love that you teach the practical as well, because I think that that's really important because we do need to run the technical part of it and the logistical part of it. It's not just the fun healing part and working with energy. There are things to start you off and the things the way to to end to end the session as well. And you mentioned six pillars. Can you share what those are? So the, the pillars, I like pillars or umbrellas. It's health. Number two is ourself or our personal journey. The third one is relationships, but like can be applied to any version of relationship in our life. Uh, Fourth is home and family. Fifth is uh, career, which is also finances, the material world, that kind of a thing. We call that manifestation month. And then the six is our our higher self or our greater calling, our universal truths, kind of our our life purpose, if you will. Oh, I love how you broke that down because that's you're right. Those are the types of like <laughs> genres of things that people are looking for. I myself too, like when I've gone to people for readings, have definitely fallen into one or more of those pillars or umbrellas. So I like that you broke it down <laughs> that way. 
it's just that's what that's the intuitively guided part. I love it. I love it. Well, not just that, but the I'm sure years of experience that you have and the patterns that you've seen because of all the readings that you've done. So you've really been able to start to, you know, break it down for the everyday person who's interested in in learning more you just kind of what probably took you years to figure out you're going to give to somebody in like what six or nine months <laughs> well this one's six months yeah that is the way I talk about it, is it's it's all the tools that I wish I had because you know as seekers and and I know you as well Laura are a lifelong learner so it's like sometimes we take courses and some resonate more than others and while of course we can take gems from everything really some of the some of its things that we're using more often. So that was my intention was all of the tools that, re- that I really, really use that I found m- multiple people, you know, most people needing versions of these tools. And then the other piece of it for me is that so many times in these courses, it's the it's the actual personal contact personal, like all the sessions are done live. So it's this one on one really getting that coaching that hand holding. Yeah, because as you know, I mean, you're a sensitive. So as sensitives, we are really on this razor's edge of vulnerability with our gifts. And there's a there's a nurturing that needs to be happening that doesn't happen through just like video courses alone. Yeah. And then the more we learn, the more questions we have. So it's nice to great to have we do have as part of it. So there's a personal development session. It's weekly, right? So there's these four sessions, personal development, and then healing. So once a month, they receive group healing to for everything that we've been personally developing. <laughs> and then one of the session is a tune, which is the, the psychic development session. And then there's a group coaching session. So really, you're getting it from all angles, diving into your own challenges, whatever's rising up, plus the healing, plus the coaching, plus the psychic development. And then there's a, because I think the friendships and the relationships we make in this work are so important. There's an additional session that all members of any mentorship are invited to. We call it Empower, but we lovingly and jokingly say it's like a, it's like a mixer with your woo-woo crew is what we call it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, some people are in very traditional jobs or family roles and, and don't have a place that they can chat about this stuff, you know? Oh, it's so true. And what's so great about being virtual and having the internet and all these platforms is you don't have to be in the same city or neighborhood with each other. You could be from all around the world, which I'm sure they are. And, you know, I know you are a healer as well and you're, you know, especially in your nursing side. And it's so beautiful to see, you know, there is an, a great side to technology where the, the messaging or the healing can reach exponentially. So the good powers. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and what's great is it's not limited even though it's virtual, the effects are still just as good and the connections are still just as strong. I mean, nothing beats human to human contact and personal relationships, but I mean, gosh, it's better than nothing. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. The energy does work the same, whether we're in the same physical space or not, because energy is not confined like that. The same way, you know, radio waves can travel thousands of miles. Yes. And thank goodness for that. Thank goodness. So can you take us back to what childhood was like for you? Sure. Um, So I grew up just outside of Boston in kind of a tougher neighborhood. So I had, I I changed schools quite a bit. I was in Catholic school when I was really young and there was something about, this is going to sound weird the way I am going to say it. And I probably didn't identify it like that when I was young, but I could feel this emotion or energy move through me in church that I really loved and, and felt was so special. And 
in back in Boston, the churches are these beautiful old buildings with incredible stained glass pieces. And so, and, and I could actually, I didn't recognize it as odd at the time, but I could see auras around people giving sermons and things like that. So I, it just was such a, a moving experience. But as I, you know, I was, I was young, kind of grade school, but as I grew some of the Some of the parts didn't really agree with parts of me, I guess is the best way to say it. So I, you know, continued on through school and eventually in in my later uh, time transitioned. I I was in public school for a bit in that really rough neighborhood. And then it got to be just a little a little too um, a little too rough. I had some really terrible experiences with pretty severe bullying, which unfortunately is the story of a lot of sensitives. And then transitioned into a different type of religious school where I decided, okay, this is it. I could feel that energy again. I could get those tingles when, you know, when they were doing devotions or things like that. And I decided I want to be the the religious leader of my class and give devotions every day in front of the class. And so I did that and loved that. And then kind of a similar story once again, some of the beliefs and some of the, the black and white of it all didn't really resonate with with my life and with looking at people I loved. And so I couldn't really reconcile. Um, So I loved aspects of it, but but ultimately moved away from it. And then I ended up graduating high school a year early and uh, starting college and then moving clear across the country to to California to to restart my life out here, which was lots of fun. Uh, And fun in what ways? (laughs) Well, you know, (laughs) It just it's just so different. For those of you that haven't been to California, there is a there is like a light, easygoing, fun and ease comparatively to back east where it tends to be very go, go, go and hustle, bustle and a, a little bit Boston people aren't necessarily known for being smooth and easygoing. <laughs> so it was just it was very different. You know, I became a mom pretty young. I, I had my kids when I was uh twenty and twenty-two and then Shortly after that, I was I was in already drawn to wellness, so I was learning natural medicine, and as part of that, I had to learn massage therapy, and really felt drawn to that career, but also wanted to do something that I could still raise my kids full time, uh, which led me to completely make a right turn. We've got unlimited options to us in life, right? So I decided to pursue a career yep. in acting for a while, which was great fun. So I had lots of fun adventures. Can you tell us a little bit more about your acting career? Because I think that sounds pretty interesting. (laughs) Yeah, and it's something very different from what I do right now. So essentially, I was going after a career in regular film and television. And through a series of auditions and events and just the, the progression of kind of the way that trajectory of career works, I ultimately got offered a role working as a WWE diva, uh, an international television every week, which was just a whirlwind, crazy experience all of its own. And, you know, seemingly my life was going in the right direction and I was getting to do red carpet things. And they even, I mean, I was the, the basically the reason they were fighting every week in the main event was because of me. Someone was like, they were torturing me. Someone was rescuing me. I was kidnapped. I was, you know, all these crazy, crazy things. (laughs) Oh my. That was all, that was all happening. Yeah. So that was, that was a, it was an interesting time. I'll say it that way. So what was it like to get that role in the WWE Divas? Was that 
part of the the goal or the plan or is that just kind of just happened that way? Well, yeah, things just kind of happened. And I, I guess to some degree, I've always been spiritual internally. And I remember kind of putting it out there to God, the universe, whatever word you like in there. For me, it's all the same energy of just kind of like, why is this the role I'm getting known for? Why am I getting successful here? I don't understand this huge live audience thing. I want it to be just doing, you know, film and television, serious actor, that kind of a thing. Looking back now, because I do big group readings and things, it makes sense to me now. But at the time, it quite honestly wasn't what I wanted to be doing. And I, even though things looked amazing from the outside looking in, you know, I was getting all these accolades and not a lot of people are in video games and getting to meet lots of cool people. And I really felt out of integrity with myself uh, because I was having to put on this happy face. I was supporting, you know, my, my husband at the time, my kids were three and five. So they were small. I had taken on my mom and was supporting her and needed to be all these things to all these people, which I think is such a common story for a lot of us that our life looks great on the outside. We put on that happy face and do what we need to do. But inside, I mean, it was... I just felt so unhappy because I wasn't doing what I truly wanted to do. I was having to be something outwardly for everyone, you know, just to kind of tick those boxes of what everyone else wanted me to do. My marriage was failing. And meanwhile, I'm having to like put on a happy face and get out there. So it was a it was a challenging time, really, believe it or not. Yeah, it sounds like it was for you. Now, at what point did you decide to let that go and move on to the next thing? Well, it kind of all came crashing down at once. And, you know, I think often, I mean, I'd like to say always, but I don't know that there's, that I don't love that word, but often these things that happen to us that just seem like a force of nature that happen in our lives that we can't understand at the time, you know, all things work together for our highest good, right, is the way I believe. So it really all at once, my contract was, they canceled 50 of our contracts all at once. So all of our family income was ripped out from under us. My marriage completely imploded. Shortly after I I ended up losing my house. And when I wasn't making that level of money anymore, my mom totally left my life again, which was kind of her MO. So it really just all imploded all at once. And, and, you know, it sometimes can be tough to, to get back up and all of that. But I'm just, I just was so determined to, to understand, to understand the, the patterns that I saw in my, in my life, you know what I mean? The relationship patterns and in all of that needing to please everyone else, both my family and like the public, quote unquote, if you will, I totally lost myself. How did you find yourself again? (laughs) That's a good question. So I don't believe necessarily anything is coincidence, but through a series of coincidences, I actually was living up in LA and something that a lot of people don't know is when you lose a contract on a show or when your contract's done, however it ends, unless you're at the highest level, you don't just get other jobs. You have to hit the pavement and be auditioning again. And by that time, my kids were in grade school and almost middle school, and they don't care what time your kids get out of school. (laughs) And So I really had to make a choice. Do I want this acting career and to keep pursuing this? I had, you know, I had some things on the table or do I want to return to wellness and explore that again? And that Reiki had kind of risen up in my life again, that Japanese healing system. And I just was so curious uh, about that. So I read 
as most of us do when we're coming to our first piece of our awakening, I read every personal development book and spiritual development book. And truthfully, I was doing personal development even back in high school. Um, so some of those same teachers, you know, back off like Oprah back in the day when she started having personal development teachers, um, I revisited their books and I tried traditional therapy, but it just felt like lots of talking about the problem and no focusing on growing myself forward. So I really turned more to to healing and wanting to understand the the energetic work behind the emotions. Like why do some of us create these patterns over and over? Why do some of us seem to have uh, more challenging or traumatic relationships? And I, I was determined to just work that out for myself. And kind of alongside that, I ended up moving to San Diego and this is going to sound ridiculous, but starting an ice cream truck business with a friend. Because <laughs> I was like, well, I need to oh be God, I love it. time, right? <laughs> While I build my wellness career again. Uh, I love it. You're like, I'm down. Let's do it. I know. So <laughs> while I was driving this like cherry red ice cream truck around town, serendipitously, I came across someone and we were just chatting in, in this person's driveway. She didn't even live there. She was just a friend visiting. And, and I was like, what do you do? And she's like, oh, I'm a Reiki master. And I was like, shut the front door. Like, I, you need to teach. Like, will you teach me Reiki, please? I was like begging this woman, this stranger. So when, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will come forward, right? Oh, what a perfect example of that. That's exactly what happened to yeah, you. You know, the, it, if wow. you're open enough, spirit or the universe will find a way to like put that person in to your make path. It work. So where yeah. in all of this does your psychic mediumship come in? How did you start doing that? That's a great question. So actually, I went on to mentor under this woman for about three years. She did my Reiki attunements. She trained me in Reiki. She was the one that told me, like, not everyone sees auras around people and sees colors. And I was like, oh, that, I mean, we don't know what other people see when they close their eyes. So I didn't know. Right, weird. exactly. And she was like, you're a powerful psychic and a healer and you're meant to be a teacher. And I was like, you're crazy because <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't believe in psychics. And I, you know, I'm from Boston and we're very like, you know, by the, by the book <laughs> yeah. and what's logical. And through working with her and through Reiki and understanding energy healing, all of my gifts started to to open up and I trained in anything that I felt called to. So I trained in like tarot and oracle cards. I trained to work with guides and angels and and all of that. I actually trained for four years in trance mediumship even. And when I would do my healing oh, cool. sessions, I would kind of open up my awareness for any, you know, messages or anything that their guides might want to share with them. So imagine my surprise during these sessions when all of a sudden crossed over loved ones, like deceased people started coming to the side. And I was just like, oh my gosh, there's a there's a grandma in here. What's happening? So it just really <laughs> unfolded itself, which is what happens for most of us as we heal and, and grow within ourselves. Those gifts can be free to rise to the surface. Does it run in your family that you're aware of? I wasn't aware before, but I but I became aware as part of this journey. So of course I sought out mentors because I was like, A, do I have this? B, do I even want it? And C, like, what in the world am I supposed to do with it? So as a part of my development, I was too scared to do live one-on-one -on -one readings with like friends and family even because it it's like I was saying, when we're new in our gifts, it's intimidating to just be like, oh, your your grandma and her name was Mary and whatever. 
So I would go into a meditation and I would like write down everything I received. And then I would call you later and be like, okay, Laura, here's what I got for you. Like all timid. This is like a little odd part of my life, but my dad is um, on the younger side of 10 siblings. So lots of his siblings and lots of his family, he was 38 when I was born. So lots of his family had already crossed over. So I was able to meet a lot of my own loved ones and go back. My dad's really open-minded. So call him up and be like, Hey, I think I have this person, you know, this is, this is what I got. Who do you think this is? Does this make sense? And he, one of these, one of these times said, Oh yeah, you know what? I, I never thought to tell you, but your grandma, when she was living in Italy, when she, you know, she grew up there, when she was a teenager, she lived in a community that was just under a mine, like a mine that they would go up and I don't know what they were mining there in Italy, but when the miners would come down the hill with their donkeys, she would see the miners that had died walking beside them. Like she would see spirit walking beside people up and down this hill to go to the mines. And I was like, oh, nobody ever thought to like tell me this but so he's like oh yeah I to tell you my dad's in his 80s god bless him so you know <laughs> oh so I love that because I remember when I started my mediumship journey too I was like oh yeah I, I do channel messages where I I type it up and I just like do like a channel writing and then I'll send it to you yeah. <laughs> it's like safer than having you sit in front of me so it's I mean it takes a lot of courage to go from that well okay it there's like (laughs) takes courage to even put it out there hey can I practice this with you and then it takes courage again to be like hey you want to sit in a session with me and let's do this oh but isn't that the best way to learn right it's the best way to practice is to do it well and it's because it's so it we all you know even among mediums and and psychics and sensitives, we all understand the information a little bit differently. So someone could tell you like the steps of how it works, but until you start experiencing it and practicing it and learning how to use your own energy, your own power and how to hold it, it's like a muscle. We have to be able to hold it out there long enough for spirit to communicate. So yeah, unless you're experiencing it yourself, usually with a mentor or in groups or however it is, um, it's hard to learn how to work with it unless you're working with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I also like to tell people, hey, you know, take classes with different mediums who have different methods because one might resonate with you or a bit here or a bit there, just like you said. So I think that that's really great. You don't have to be like devoted to one. Just be devoted to yourself, <laughs> what resonates with you. I'll and then- tell you, in my development, I have found that early on, especially during the very like foundational, fundamental, if you find a teacher that you like the way they teach and you understand, I would suggest sticking with them for at least the first couple years because all the teachers, the the main like very well-respected teachers, first of all, see your teacher how they work to decide if you like the way they work. Good call. <laughs> Some people will just like... <laughs> a teacher and never have seen them work, you know, check into them. That's fair, right? This is your education. You would check into any college or program, but they, they all teach so differently that if someone is really new and they're with too many teachers, the conflicting styles can feel really deflating because you feel like you're never quite doing it like quote unquote kind of overwhelming yeah. too. So it is, yeah. it has been good for me anyway to get, I got a few years with one mentor and now I flex and try different, you know, teachers and different things, but it's even still, it kind of rocks me to be in someone else's style a little bit. It's challenging. Well, that's, yeah, that's really great advice too. I think that 
if you find something that really resonates, I mean, there's no reason not to stick with it. But for the people who are like, you know, I feel like I could get more. I feel like I could do more. It's okay to, yeah, branch out when it feels good. So I'm different for everybody all the time. There's never nothing black and white. Yeah, exactly. And and I know you are this way too. Like we do different things that are not necessarily all one lane, all one, you know, inside one box. It's if, if you're called to mediumship and then you also feel called to like angel messages or to, I don't know, animal communication, or that's really how the gifts can continue to unfold. Just going with what you're curious, you know, that curiosity is a, a form of divine inspiration. And then if you, if you love it, you marinate in it and learn as much as you can. And if you decide after a little bit, like, okay, maybe not so interested, that's okay too. We don't know until we play and try, right? Of all places. Yes. It was YouTube that I found. <laughs> so when I started my spiritual <laughs> so awakening, cool. number two, I was, you know, like you had mentioned, like hungry. And I loved watching people do readings. I think by the time I found you, I was already starting to do readings for people. Because when I saw you doing your readings, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's it felt so similar. Like the way that you were talking and the way that you were doing it. I was like, I feel like I'm looking in a mirror almost with the way that I like to do readings as well. So I really connected with you and I like resonated with you on that level. So I was like, oh, okay, I have to reach out to her. <laughs> Cause like you said, community having that. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, and she lives in the same city as me. Like this is definitely like meant to be. And so I wanted to ask you, because obviously I've seen you work uh, and people can see you work too if they want to go on your channel, of course. But what is it like for you doing a mediumship reading? Now you do, the one that I saw was more like on Zoom and it was there, you know, like a demonstration essentially. Like, right? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Probably for YouTube, it was more like the group public demonstration. It was, yes, yes. So can you tell me what it's like for you to do those readings? And I'm thinking more like technical, not like emotional, but like, you know, does somebody pop in and then do you have clairvoyance? So I would say it's a little, the mechanics of it and like the basic workings of it are the same, whether you're one-on-one with someone or in in a bigger group. I will say the bigger group is it's more energy to hold, if that makes sense, because we're really holding the communication with our own power, our own auric field, our own, like the power of our soul is what we say. So to work one-on-one with someone, you're really only needing to fill that room, for example, with your power. If you're working in a big group of 30 people, you have to hold all of those people in your energy. So it's just a little bit of a different a different way of working. However, on the flip side of that coin, when you're working with more people, you're also receiving their energy if they're, you know, happy and in a good space and feeling light and um, the arms crossed like furrowed brow is uh it's not it's not the most energetically giving as you, as you might imagine <laughs> it uh, does make the reading yeah not as good right yeah I get it. so really what i do is i move my power expand my soul's energy and then the spirit person they are able they have to choose to communicate so they will blend their energy with mine the visual i have for it is like that venn diagram where there's the two circles that overlap in the middle. So that overlapping (laughs) part is really our, where we're blended our souls together. So I can understand whatever information they're wanting to highlight for me. And really for me, it's a combination of quick flashes of images. Sometimes I'll hear songs or blocks of 
I don't know, like something someone wants to say to you, but it all comes at once instead of like it being read out like closed caption. It's more just like, here's this paragraph. (laughs) But largely it's through the emotion. And that's what really helps to understand, oh, okay, this person's talking about a happy memory or they're sharing about, you know, a memory that's more poignant or this was a celebration versus like this was a challenge in their in their life that they experienced. Uh, But really, just like every human soul is different, every human soul on the other side is different. So some will come forward with really specific details about memories that they shared with you, for example. Um, Some will want to talk about things that they love. Some like lots of grandmas will take me on a tour of their home and show me beautiful items that were gifted to them or things that they loved or things that they did at home. Uh, Some will want to talk about their passing and some won't. So just like, you know, people here, I really have to just follow that conversation wherever they're wanting it to go. Sometimes the messages and the information that come through are really lighthearted and fun and and joking if that was their personality or if they have something a little more, um, you know, if it's an individual communication, especially like a one-on-one situation, if they have something a little more serious that they wanted to address. Like, for example, um, if someone didn't make it to say goodbye or, or if someone is hanging on to a concern about that person suffering at their passing, for example, or having feelings. I had one that was so touching and it was this young gentleman and his family's okay with me sharing about it, but he was, his life was taken from him. And the family was really, really struggling, feeling like the authorities were not properly investigating this case because of certain elements about this individual. And they were really having a hard time. And so one of the things he was wanting to articulate was like, hey, I, I know that you got video footage from three stores that the authorities weren't willing to go get. And I know that my mom is devastated and feeling like there's no justice happening and just wanting them to know that he was present with them and going through these things with them and supporting them and surrounding them in love. It just lifted. I mean, of course, it's not going to lift the burden totally because in the physical world, still those things are happening or not happening. Right. But just knowing that he was aware and that he was supporting them through it. And it's almost like holding their hand saying like, Hey, I I see you. And they were just amazed that he was able to share because they hadn't told anyone about getting that video footage from the stores. It was, it was out in public. So the stores where that had been around and things like that. And that's the other thing when they show their personality, it really is their way of validating like, Hey, I know who I am. I know who you are. We have love and I'm okay. Like I'm good. I can communicate. I can, I have all my memories is, is a big piece of it too. Cause we do, we wonder like, do they, do they go to some faraway place and they don't know who I am anymore is a lot of the, you know, doctrine and, and, and cultural beliefs. So it's, uh, I don't know. I, I've, I've tangented on so much. I don't remember what your original question was. What is it like? So a lot of it is the, the emotional piece of it, I guess my, my whole point. Just going back to that one reading that you did, how did he show you about the three cameras? How did he send that to you? So he had wanted to discuss or to share about his passing. So that is how that part of that conversation began, really him just helping me understand, oh, his passings at night. This is very tragic. This is very quick. I had a quick flash of almost like a a crossroads where like two streets are intersecting and there's like a gas station on one corner and a businesses and then homes. Typically, the way we usually explain it is the spirit world can't 
put information in our heads that's not already there, but they can almost, well, you're old enough to, to know what this is, but they can almost go through our Rolodex or our own photo albums or files of things that we've <laughs> yeah. seen, even if we don't remember we've seen them, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they try to touch a memory within us that gets them as close to like what they're experiencing. And I knew, you know, I knew that, that, that there was a motorcycle that he had been on and things like that. And then I just was aware of him, the feeling of unrest, him conveying the feeling of unrest in the family, and then aware of the feeling of the person who had come in for the reading. You know, I was like, oh, there's a gas station on that corner. And then it's, it's it was a lot through the feeling really of, oh, wow. no one's doing anything. Like, why is no one why is no one doing anything? And then aware of like his, you know, the energy or the idea of his mom and and her feelings kind of rising up and him just acknowledging those and him showing really that his, this other person going in and asking about videos and trying to bring them in. And so it's, it's really for me, largely through emotion and then quick flashes of images, but without the emotion, I wouldn't, I wouldn't understand what the images mean. You're just seeing like a a crossroads. And you're like, what is this about? You know what I mean? Man, talk about evidence. They must have been like jaws dropped when you were telling him those details. It was really incredible, which is which is always the goal just to touch the need of what they of what they have. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, you had mentioned earlier about the sitters in a group reading and sort of how their demeanor is kind of important because they are a part of the reading. So I wanted to ask you, what advice would you give people who were interested in a reading? What advice would you give them that they could do to make the reading successful? Is there any prep needed? That's a really great question. I would say it's essentially the same whether you're going to a public event or whether you're going to your own private reading. It's a great question because the answer is kind of contrary to what people would think. You know, we think we want to go and in the car there, we're like asking our loved one, like, please come through. I really need you. You have to make them say this specific word, cheese doodles or whatever the like (laughs) catchphrase is. The more energy, the more of your own emotion, not you, but like someone, the more of someone's own emotion our listeners that they're putting around their spirit person, it almost in a way puts so much energy around it that sometimes the medium isn't as aware of that person because there's so much energetic charge there. So really, I think it's fair to be an open-minded skeptic. I would say have an open mind and heart if you're going to go, but it's, it's fair to not just believe every single thing you hear unless it touches you in some way. There's nothing to be scared of, I think, is a really important thing to know. I'm just trying to think of things people have reported back to me. Even if someone comes to you in a group session, like your loved one comes forward and they're coming to you, don't be nervous that that medium is going to know everything you ever did in your your life because they don't. (laughs) It's never going to be bad or scary information, I think, is another thing people get nervous about like, oh, are they going to, is my loved one on the other side? Are they going to tell me something bad? Are they going to, you know, give me bad news? It's, It's never that. And they also, they're not a totally different person. While their difficult emotions have been stripped away or understood, if you're dad, for example, wasn't a doctor in the physical life. He's not a doctor now. So don't expect him to give medical advice. You know, he's not now suddenly uh, an an all-knowing doctor. So really, I think just the most important thing is to go in with like a a good attitude and an upbeat attitude. The tough thing is, because we deal with 
people and work with people that some of the losses are more expected than others, right? Some people have long lives and, and their passing almost can be a little relieving in that they're being released from physical discomfort. But some people have passings that are very unexpected or like I work with a lot of parents that have lost kids. So asking those people to come in like really happy and cheerful, well, that's seems silly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes it's hard for someone to even feel like they can have too open of a heart because their heart in that moment feels so broken that it's almost like they feel like they're just holding themselves together. And if they open up and relax at all, they might, they might fall apart. So try not to put pressure on yourself besides just having an open mind and heart. There's nothing you need to do in particular. You could just send out the thought to your loved ones. Like I'd love to hear from you. I'd be open to it, but, but, you know, not a lot of pressure on them beyond that. A couple things to know, the spirit world really will line up or order themselves in the order that they need to come through. Because even though you might think that you're the person in the room that has the greatest need, you can't possibly know what other people are going through in their private lives. So the spirit world knows the order of the need on their side, really. Little thing that I find people get stuck on. It's a very human thing. Try not to be attached to needing to hear one specific word or one specific symbol. It has nothing to do with the loved one not being able to bring it forward or bring, you know, share it with the medium. It has more to do with our ability to receive it, understand it, deliver it. If someone just keeps saying cheese doodle to me, like a spirit person, I'm probably not saying it if I don't understand the context or that they'd have to say it to me a lot of times and then I might just come out with it. But more often than not, they have this beautiful, I mean, there's an intelligence on the other side. They have this beautiful way of working it into the conversation, if you will. I just keep thinking of one group reading I did and it was a younger gal. She was, she was probably like 16 ish. And it was her grandpa that was communicating and her, one of her parents was also there. And he just kept having me tell her how proud he was of all the things she had done, how bright she was, that she's such a bright, shining light, that she was so bright and intelligent. And they all kind of gasped. And I was like, what happened? And they were like, oh, her last name is Bright. We're Brights. Oh Bright. my gosh, I just got chills. <laughs> oh, and that's just not a, a word I normally use in my, con- oh, like, you're a bright girl. I don't, I don't really say that. You know what I mean? So that's how they can just slip it into our language. So just be open. That's what I mean by be open for them to bring. They know what you need to hear to identify that it's them. You know what I mean? Let them bring it in any way that they can and try to try to just let yourself have an experience, I would say. Yeah, I've heard of that too, you know, where where some people are like, okay, if you just say this one word, I'll know it's true. But then the medium's giving them all this other good stuff. And they're just like, because they're so focused on wanting to hear that one word that they're sort of missing the rest of the reading. So I love that you brought that up. I was wondering what your thoughts were on someone coming in for a reading in grief. And do you believe that they should wait, that there is a need for a waiting period or not? I think it's a totally individual choice. I've had people come in pretty immediately after someone passes and that spirit person is able to come through. There's not like a waiting period for the spirit side. For our side, I I think that the rule of thumb would be if someone feels like they're ready or not for the session, 
Because people that are in a grieving process so strongly, believe it or not, some people know that they're not ready. Do you know what I mean? Like they just feel sure. Yeah. Uh, not ready. So if you're feeling ready and you're feeling like you could you could handle it and like it's it's what you want then probably you're ready. My caution is more around frequency. So I don't feel like there's necessarily like a rule around how often to or to not get a reading, but I would just say checking in with ourselves around Am I becoming dependent on this medium? Because I feel like you believe this too, but my belief is that we all have access to our own loved ones in the spirit world, whether we're a trained medium or not. Yes. Even though, of course, it's a very different experience to have someone that didn't know your person sharing details and messages. Yeah, that's lovely. But also that person can connect with their loved one and get signs or feel them themselves. So if it's something where someone's finding it to be a bit of a crutch that's hindering their grieving process, that might be more concerning. But typically, it's, it really does help the grieving process along. I know someone that went in for a reading the day after her mom passed away because she was so terrified that her mom was in like a Catholic people call it purgatory, like a like a earthbound in between like scary place. She was so terrified about that that she couldn't, she was having panic attacks. She couldn't grieve and she couldn't process. So she just needed to know that she was okay and safe somewhere. And then she was fine. So it, it's really individual. There's no rush to do it either. They can communicate a day after or 20 years after. So Joy, you've given such great advice already. But to help wrap up our interview, I would love if you could share a timeless message for the collective from whoever on the other side is meant to bring it through. Yes. Yeah, if you can. I love that. I actually was just thinking about this earlier today. And we all have the ability to receive divine inspiration. As you know, a lot of it's just about getting out of our own head, getting out of our own way. But my guides were sharing with me this morning, especially during this time period in our world that feels very back and forth. We feel like we're constantly having like aftershocks in our in our world, you know, just really the indication is when we feel things are unstable outside of us, that the place to go is within, not to go outside of us and and you know, share with people or ask people. And well, that's okay to do. Truly, the the real answers are inside each of us. So the more still we can get with ourselves, whether that's, you know, for each of us, it's different, whether it's sitting in meditation for five minutes and just being quiet, whether it's going for a walk and tuning into nature and, and creating some space, but just resisting the urges all around us to kind of go down that negative train of thought of whether it's social media for some people or news outlets or just letting that energy build of of anxiety and fear and all of that if if you notice yourself getting swept up into those feelings the best thing to do is go within there's really this indication and i i'm i'm interested because it's, this is coming in in a new way for me just in this last like day or so so i'm wondering for the last bit of the year here just to kind of hang on to that sentiment about going within and and knowing the truth within ourselves and what is our own true north what's our own point of integrity because there we are just in a a heck of a storm in all directions right now and i really think it's the way to hold on to those grains of hope that we 
that they do live within us. They're created within us. So when you're feeling that you're not finding hope in what you're seeing or observing in this external condition, go within because the analogy as, as, you know, unusual as it might sound was when a woman is birthing a baby, if you didn't have any information about that birth and didn't understand how birth worked and you just walked in during that process, you would be like, this woman's being terrorized. What's happening? So the indication is we don't know all the things in our world that are working behind the scenes. We don't know what new age of Aquarius here is birthing or what new energies or wisdom are rising to the surface. So not as much attention to the things that we're observing and more going within to find our own point of integrity in what we're birthing as a collective and what we what we want to live into as individuals. The information's all inside, not not outside. Well, that is just absolutely wonderful advice and very timeless. <laughs> I feel like that could yes, resonate no matter what. <laughs> yes. Thank you to your guides for sharing that with us. Thank you to you, Joy, for your time and for sharing your journey and so your truth. Oh, we'll thank you. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And that was another episode of A Guided Life Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, love and light always. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.